Coming up on episode 307 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the 2023 Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring, the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV, Rolls-Royce Banning Scalpers, Battery Plant NIMBYs, a new electric Caterham, the 2024 Chevrolet Traverse. EVs are piling up. Hyundai Ionic 5 with a simulated 8-speed DCT and more coming up next. This is episode 307 this time of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samet from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakeland from the Road Reflected Podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Where do I work? Hot Cars and Top Speed. Hot All right. Excellent. Hot cars. Hot Every cars. car comes with got, a free hot dog. Got, got, got a new job. I got a new job. Free hot dog. Yeah, congrats on the new job. Go right. News and features content manager. I have to open up uh, email every uh, podcast and look at my signature to remember what my job title is. (laughs) Like I know what I do. It's just the job titles to to, are just job titles to me are ridiculous. (laughs) Job titles are ridiculous. Just just let me do my job. You just want to do it. You don't care what they call you. I just want to do my jobby job. Well, let's let's start with this job by telling us what you drove, Robbie. Well, Sam, you might be surprised to find out that I drove the 2023 Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring all-wheel drive. Really? Yeah. You you know what? I drove the same thing. Exactly. (gasps) Almost the exact same. Mine was gray. And mine was infinite black. Infinite Which is not exactly point. infinite, but you know. it's, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's infinite, you would expect it to be something more like Vanta black. This was actually, oh, more, yeah. Do you remember the uh, tuxedo black that um, they used to have on Lincoln's back about 10 years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. Black yeah. that had like little, apparently little glass, uh, little balls of glass in the paint. I don't even remember this. But, was it really, did it look cool? Yeah, it was a really nice black. Yeah. A little different okay. from your typical metallic black. Okay. Anyway, what what did you think of the Corsair? Uh, it's a car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so it's okay. I like the Lincoln Navigator, mm-hmm. like the new Link. It's it's night. You get into it, you know exactly what it is. It's very nice. It's comfortable. It drives well. I really like the info, the uh, the dash cluster because it's very it's, it's very low key. It's very you know chill when you turn things. Like it has a little animation, but really it just tells you you're in a certain mode. It's a nice it's a nice large luxury SUV. The Corsair is it's an SUV. Mm. It's a it's it's supposed it's a luxury SUV, but there's so many things in it that make me feel like if you bought this as a luxury SUV, you would be a little irritated. Oh, for example, oh, that's not good. The so they have the little gear selection. It's all those little buttons, but mm-hmm. it's kind of underneath, <laughs> like a little ledge, and the, and to the left of that, still underneath the ledge, is the power button. You know, start mm-hmm. stop. Turn it on, ignition. Yeah, they're, they're actually hidden. Un- they're, it's a hidden power button. So I knew where this was. I've had this car for a week. And then last night I had to finish the um, the my PHEV, my all-electric uh, uh, test. And so I got out into the car and I was doing stuff and I was plugging in my phone to make sure I had some, you know, whatever to listen to. 
and then the lights turned off and I couldn't find I knew where it was but I couldn't figure out where to press I was pressing above I was pressing below it I couldn't find <laughs> the start button that's not ideal that is not yeah it's like hidden under there and the first time I got in the car I was like where is this I'm like well that just looks like an like a like a like a, like an error <laughs> so we should explain that for model year 2023 you know launched earlier this year um the, the the Corsair and also the Ford Escape, which shares its platform with this, both mm -hmm. got uh, a refresh, a mid-cycle refresh. They've been on sale for a few years now. They got you know some styling updates. Um, and in the case of the Corsair, um, they did some interior changes as well, which includes a larger center touch screen and you know, kind of reshaped the dashboard. And I seem to recall previously on the Corsair, <clears throat> the 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 those pian sort of like piano keys switches for the transmission and also the on off switch were not quite as far back. They it weren't seemed... like hidden up in a cubby like they are now. Yeah, in a cubby. <laughs> Let's just shove them up here. <laughs> the things that you need to turn the car on and shift gears, just, just shove them up in there real quick. It's and so then right below that is this big like rectangular area, and then the middle of that is a really small line of buttons, and so it feels like there's just this empty space and then a little line of buttons. And if you push any of those buttons, the whole little plastic thing moves. Like the entire plastic thing moves. Like if you push yeah, the button, because it's actually back. one piece of plastic. It's one piece, so it feels really cheap. It just feels. It's just. It it just oh, feels yeah. sigh. That's terrible. It just feels like they they're like, oh, we gotta make a we gotta make a small little SUV. Let's. Oh, what should we take from the Lincoln? I don't know. You know what? We can get the dash cluster, and I guess the, you know, was it Active Glide? We got all these other things. Oh, it's Blue Cruise now. They dropped oh, the Active, Active Glide. Mine says Active Glide, and it mine. does say Active Glide when you turn it on in the cluster. But it, um, everywhere else, they, they officially it's officially called Blue Cruise now. So oh my they, god! They're dropping the so Active Glide branding. So presumably, when they when they push out the 1.3 update, which they just announced today as we're recording this, um, hopefully that will change to um, to Blue, Blue Cruise. Cruise. <sighs> so that's another thing. <clears throat> so just, I, <clears throat> I just driving Active Glide is. It's not. It's Blue Cruise. It's okay. I, you know, as a as a as a hands free system. I drove seven hours one day in it. I had to go to, to uh, the Central Valley in San Joaquin Valley on Saturday. So I had to drive. I drove it all the way there. I drove it all the way back. I used Blue Active Glide. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Active Glide. No, I believe I that's, that's Active Blue Glide. Blue Active, active Blue Glide. <laughs> I drove it there and it, you know it 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 was fine but I kept my hand on the wheel like the entire time <laughs> cuz it it would like sometimes it would just be just a it would be on the edge of of a of a lane like it wasn't centering correctly and it's just like it's just like everything about the car just it just kept is that, trying is to the, irritate is me the Blue Cruise Glide essentially the same software and everything as Blue Cruise is there a difference Yes between... no it's exactly the yeah, same It's the same it is exactly it's the, same. the same Okay that's yes. what I yeah. thought just the name that was Yeah it's it's the same okay. It's just it's, you know it's, you know what it is that they initially they wanted to I think they wanted to distinguish it so they gave the Lincolns a different brand for the the exact same functionality 
and they called it active glide on Lincoln. But then earlier this year, when Consumer Reports had their you know, their ADAS study, you know, and we had uh, uh, Kelly Funkhauser on, to, yeah. and they they named Blue Cruise the best uh, ADAS system. Uh, I think after that they decided, well, we've been, we, Blue Cruise has been named number one, so we got to use the Blue Cruise branding. So they switched it. I understand, but they didn't. It's just, it's just a weird. Fine, it should just been called Blue Cruise. But I know they want like Lincoln as a premium, and we're going to use Active Glide. Is such a weird name. Yeah, Active Glide. It's it's the same thing. You know, they they don't. It sounds like you get something you get from an adult. Yeah, store. (laughs) It's an adult store thing. What I I went and got some Active Glide. It's We're gonna have a nice weekend. Does. That's all I can think of. Like, Go on to a nice movie. Ew, this is not what I want for my my. What'd you pick up in car. Amsterdam? I got some Active Glide. Oh god! I'm so glad they ditched that name. That was it's just no. I had not thought of that until just now. Oh, well, that's clearly exactly what Nicole I and I are it's... are not good people. Are both terrible humans? Because I'm like, oh, that's not the product they think it is. Yeah. So mm. yeah, so the 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 seat. I could not get comfortable in the seat. <laughs> like the, on, my back was fine. Adjustments. How- I know all those adjustments, and I, I couldn't get it to just be comfortable. It's ten thousand way adjustable, and you weren't. It's comfortable. ten thousand ways to make it un. You know what? It was nice though. The massage, the massage function was nice. Yes, it was. Yeah, but I think the massage function is is why my legs and my butt hurt while I was driving this thing because it's just like <laughs> metal underneath it instead of like cushion. They're like, well, we got to have the massage for the butts. So should we put some cushion in there? Nah. Just butt massage. That's all just, we need. Just a just a metal. <laughs> so, um, you know, driving around, you know, it. Uh, I didn't have any issues with with the drivetrain. No chassis issues. It's you know, it's 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 a really fancy Ford Escape, which is just uh uh you know a less fancy Bronco Sport. <laughs> <laughs> So the, Isn't, it makes the, my, me think of like nesting dolls. You just go from the fanciest to the, yeah. to so the least escape, fancy, Bronco like, Sport, like one of those Matryoshka dolls or whatever they And are. the Maverick. Yeah. Uh, well, so okay, so Maverick, Escape, Bronco Sport, Corvair. So there's, there are four <laughs> vehicles on this platform, and two of them are real are good, and two of them – like it's not that the Escape is bad. It's just that the Bronco Sport is better. And the it's not, and the Corsair is just you know it's it's in a market you know it's the starting price is like eight thousand below starting eight that is about seven eight thousand below like BMW and Mercedes yeah. and whatever it's it's like thirty it's just under thirty nine thousand dollars okay so yeah so it's you know it's 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 not it's not as expensive as what you're going to get from the Germans. But it's also you can really feel that eight thousand bucks, <laughs> <laughs> that eight thousand dollar difference. Like you get into a, a, the GLC, the new GLC, and you're just like, this is. They didn't even have to really change anything. They just did little tweaks here and there and made little updates, and it's just such a nice vehicle. And I just feel like the Corsair with the update, it's just I don't I don't know it's what not. they're doing with this. I think they're they're trying to nickel and dime and save some cash. And you know I understand. You know you got to try to save some money. But if you're buying into a luxury vehicle. It's like just making it kind of look luxury doesn't make it luxury, and that's 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 how I feel about the Corsair. Um, on my uh, EV only drive, I got twenty five no twenty four point eight miles EV only driving. I did uh, I did hit some. It's it's really windy here during the summer, mm. so sometimes you're driving like against forty mile an hour headwinds. Yeah. I mean, I I did I did my usual loop, and I actually got thirty three miles. 
All right. So yeah. So and it, it and was it's officially it, rated at twenty eight. So yeah. So when I started, between us, we like averaged it, out about twenty eight. Yeah. So when I started, it looked like it was going to hit twenty eight, and then I had to do the freeway portion, and it was just like. I was like, "Well, this is it." And I yeah. just watched. I just watched the, the range just get hammered. I'm like, "All right, well, I got to make sure to mention this." <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, we we you know we put some stuff in it. We took it for a drive. It wasn't the you know. It, it, I don't know. I just <sighs> change the seats. Fix that. Fix that little <laughs> weird cubby, and. Um, yeah. How how did you how did you like it, Sam? After I'm just sitting here, just feel so bad just, about it. Just just to start with, uh, I pulled up the um, a picture I took of the court of the course the pre refresh Corsair a couple of years ago. So when mm-hmm. the when the plug in hybrid first came out and I tested it, and so you know part of the the changes that they made to the the for for this year is. They went to a bigger center touchscreen, like I said. They went from a, a 10 inch to a 13 inch center touchscreen. Previously, the stop start button was actually up on top of the dash next to the the, the center touchscreen, so it was very clearly visible. Boop. Just, it was just right big, there. Boop. But because they made that screen wider, now there was no room there for the button, so they moved the button down below. the 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 piano keys for shifting. Are exactly the same as they were. They they're they um they haven't actually. But they, they, they actually stick changed. out. I feel like they stick out far enough where you're like, oh, okay, those weren't the issue. Yeah, it was they just were like, fine. It but just you're right. felt it like was, the the start button the, is just shoved back up in there. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> like and someone's was trying to hide it a quarter from you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I I did notice the same thing. The other thing that they that they changed uh, in the interior is that the. So the the part of the console that kind of sticks out from there just below the shifter buttons yeah it's now about mm, probably about less than half as long so it doesn't stick out nearly as far mm-hmm. as it did before and before you had the um you had the physical controls for the climate control all on there you didn't have this one little strip so there was you know buttons for heated and the heated and cooled seats and the you know where you wanted the direction of the the air to flow and the volume and tuning buttons were also on this this little console thing and they basically what they did was when they went to the larger touchscreen it now has along the bottom of that there is a strip of for the climate controls that is always displayed so whether you're using carplay or android auto or the regular infotainment system those controls are always there it's now touch controls but they're but they're at least always visible they're never they never disappear depending on whatever mode you go in um so they're they're at least consistent even though you still can't do them by feel um and they they got rid of that and made that you know this little cantilevered console thing you know they shrunk it down and just have that one strip with that like you say that single piece of plastic on there you push that, one part and the other part that, like it's like a seesaw if you push it, the edges yeah well do you, um did you ever use the blackberry storm oh my gosh no uh it was it's kind not as bad as that but kind of like that because mm-hmm. the storm was blackberry's response to the iphone when the iphone came out they it was their first touchscreen phone and they wanted to keep 
you know, the tactile feel of the keyboard. So the what they had was they had switches, four switches underneath the the touchscreen. So when you pressed on the touchscreen, it clicked. But you know, you had the whole screen was literally pivoting and clicking uh, when you touched it. It was terrible. It yeah, was just good. atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that bad, but it's still <laughs> not great. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, it's fine. I, you know, I think at thirty nine thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars, the Corsair is okay. It, yeah, I think okay is a good is a pretty good review of the yeah, Corsair. I mean, it's, it's it's you know I think it's competitive fine. with you know it's competitive with like the the Lexus NX and uh, you know stuff like that. You know and they're you know they're in a similar price range. Um, the you know at sixty five thousand, which is what mine was priced at. Yeah, mine was priced the same thing. Yeah, Let me double check. Who it's, knew? it's pretty steep. You know, I mean, they're at the the Grand Touring, which is the plug in hybrid, starts at uh, oh, yeah. like fifty three or something. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, mine started at fifty three. I got sixty five nine seventy. Yeah, my there's that total. eight thousand dollar collection three option package that includes Blue Cruise and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, also, the heads up display. Um, if you're going to have blue cruise in this thing, having the heads up display is actually really good. You know, cause I, you know, I, I talked about my issues with blue cruise when it I drove the any noises. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it makes well, noises. It's um, too quiet. <laughs> you know, and, and the, you know, what, what it shows in the instrument cluster is still that predominantly blue color. Yeah, thing. Everything's blue. It's just a little, and like the picture is like, there's a picture of a steering wheel with yeah. your hands on it. That's when you come to get your hands on it. And then there's a picture of a steering wheel without your hands on it, but also like a glue, like a phantasm, like yeah. Yeah. some sort of something <laughs> glowing behind. You guys can well, see no, the look, waving it, hands that's it, going it, along it, with Robbie's it, description. It, it looks like the you know, it looks like there's walls on other side. It's like a graphic that kind of shows, like um, you know, when looking down at the the car as it's driving down the road from you know, you're above and behind the car, looking down at it, and you know, it's like there's walls with spots on them on either side of the road. And you're driving, it's flowing past, you know, and you're driving past these walls. Like blue flowy flames. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) It's um, not enough. It should be, there should be a bing or a boop or something. But the the, the heads up display actually gives you a a much better view, you know, and it, 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 I mean, it's still blue, but you see, you know, the steering wheel when you're in hands-free mode, the steering wheel is larger. Um, and you know, when it wants you to go hands on, it actually moves to a different location and shows you with, with your hands on the wheel, it moves from the side into the center, you know, to say, Hey, put your hands on the wheel. So it's right there in front of you. So you don't even have to look down at the cluster. So mm-hmm. I actually thought that worked, worked fairly well. Um, except if you wear polarized sunglasses, Within yes, that is true. Which, which both of my sunglasses are polarized. So yeah. I'm, just all, I'm always like turning my head. I'm like, how fast am I going? Yeah. It's like that's the speed. I'm um, speeding it. Yeah, you know, that $8,000 option package also gets you heated rear seat, um and auto air refresh and and the the Revell 14 speaker audio system, which sounds good. You know, it's it's fine. Um it's but, you know, it's 65 grand. It's it's a little it's it's too expensive. If for 65 just pay the $3,000 more or or so and get the base trim level GLC. Because you're just going to mm. have a, a much nicer car all the way, you know, across the yeah. board. It's in just, all regards. Yeah, in all regards, just pay a little bit extra and get the GLC. Sorry, 
Um, you know, the, <laughs> but again, I love, I really, I like the aviator. The aviators are the last time I drove it. I don't know how much yeah. they've changed. Who knows what they've done to it. Nothing. Um, and I like the navigator. Yeah. I like both of those. It's just, I'm like, Hey, we have the Corsair. I'm like, Oh, cool. I have to do a really long drive. This will be a nice car. And the whole time I was like, Oh, <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. This is not expectations. Not bad. This, this is not my but, expectations. But at least, at least with the Corsair, you do have all wheel drive, which you don't have with the escape plug-in hybrid. So the escape plug-in hybrid is front oh, that's drive only, true. and it's like yeah, 200 horsepower. Yeah, this is all-wheel drive PHEV. Wait, so they could make an all-wheel drive Maverick PHEV? Absolutely. Come they could. on. Yeah. I mean, they're not they going to. But then to. it would be really can, way too expensive. Yeah, they can't, they can't figure it out how to make enough. Six grand? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would It would be a four, It would probably be a $45,000 Maverick at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're defeating the purpose yeah. of being a Maverick in the first place. And then at that exactly. point, you might as well just get a Tacoma. Yeah. Yeah. Taco. <laughs> so that's the uh that's the twenty twenty three Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring plug in hybrid all wheel drive. It's <laughs> nice. Full it's title. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Lincoln. Maybe next. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Oh, yeah, Nicole, what'd you drive? I had a car that was twice as expensive as your uh, your little Lincoln, um, and it was nine bazillion times nicer. It is. I was driving. It <laughs> double is. The, double the price, nine bazillion times better. Right? So holy value. Um, it was the 2023 Mercedes-Benz EQS 580 SUV exclusive. That's the whole title. Ooh. Because fancy car needs lots of words to describe it. Yeah. Um, I did not have a Monroni for this, so I kind of built it, I think. Um, and it is $129,100. So two of the Lincolns. Would you take two Lincolns or one of these? I would take one of those. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably take well, Even I, I haven't driven sad. one, I'd probably take I, one EQS. Like, you know what? The, the Corsair is like Panera. 
Like you go to Panera and you get there and you're like, oh, this is a disappointing sandwich. <laughs> I should have so gone then, a little bit more money and got a better sandwich somewhere else. So instead of Panera, if the Corsair's Panera, then this is your local handcrafted artisan yeah, sandwich like you, like you with show grain, locally sourced bread. This, this is the Zingerman's to Panera. Like, the what do you want? Panera. So there we go. So anybody What do you Zingerman's? want? And then just yeah. they, they slice the meat. What yeah. kind of cheese you want? All right, let me slice some cheese. Slice the cheese. They have like. Can really I get an extra slice of that cheese mustard. on there? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Blop. Can I get a slice of the provolone and a slice of the Swiss? Like, of each, sure, man. Blop. And, and the manchego. Give me a slice want. of manchego too. All and the guy knows you. Like... Yeah. <laughs> the guy or the gal knows you, and they're like, "Hey, how's it going?" It's like a fifteen-minute sandwich. So, Mercedes Benz is the fancy sandwich of SUVs. Yeah, it's a fifteen-minute sandwich experience <laughs> of an SUV. Fancy I'm sure, sandwich of I'm sure SUVs. Rob Moran will appreciate that. Yep, you're welcome, Rob. We worked really hard on that. Um, I like fancy sandwiches, so it's <laughs> the all fancy good. sandwich of SUVs. There's our the title. fancy sandwich. <laughs> so the there's a variety of ranges depending on the trim you get because there's like front-wheel drive and there's the all-wheel drive. This has the dual electric motors with all-wheel drive, so it's it's really weird, and I couldn't quite figure this out to be honest. When you go online, the specs say it has 285 miles of range. I, it's estimating, like it shows you how far it thinks it has less to go, and it keeps giving me over 300 in the car. So I'm not sure where That's the official... That's the Germans for you. Yeah, I'm like, so the official says 285, and I like double... I, like when I sat down in the car, I thought, wait a minute, am I reading this wrong? Nope, official says 285, but it's got up to as high as I think when I... I haven't had it fully charged. Like when I got it, it wasn't fully charged, and I haven't gotten it all the way up there yet. It was like 312 or something, and I'm like, well, that's a bit more than what they say. So... So we'll see. Um, I have good. I have good luck with the Germans and their range. It's always higher. Yeah, that's what I'm figuring. It's just because when it because it it does do that thing where like if you're blasting the AC, it lets you know, okay, you're you know using everything. You're gonna have yeah. reduce your range, and it gives you the estimate so you can see how you're how you're using your vehicles, impacting your range, which I always think is really cool. It sort of gamifies driving. Um, so. 536 horsepower, 633 pound feet of torque. You push the Pedal, I can't call it accelerator. That the just go sounds pedal. too darn fancy. The go pedal, you push, I like that. You push the go pedal in your fancy sandwich and it moves. It really, really goes really fast. It's, there's no hesitation, but you know, it has the combination of being quiet because it's an electric vehicle and EVs don't have the noise of an engine when you accelerate, but also it's got that well-mannered thing that comes from a true luxury brand like this. This is a $130,000 car. They're not messing around. So even though you go and you go aggressively, there's none of that like sort of, it's not harsh. It's very well-mannered. It feels very controlled. It, it is a lovely car to drive. It is really, really nice to drive. And I don't know if Robbie, you would like this better or worse, but like the miss, the seats also, very adjustable seats, and there's massage. No, the, the, the Mercedes seats are, are the best. There's like I've driven to L.A. and back a few times like during lockdown when I had yeah. to go down to Mercedes events. They would just give me a Mercedes to drive down there, and it was always a delightful experience. The seats, like, and here's the thing. You guys, the headrest, the headrest in this, there's this traditional, like, sort of, you know, hard headrest. But on top of it, there's a little pillow. It's literally a little pillow. You can unvelcro it and take it off if you want. It is so darn comfortable. I like you put your head back. I think I can't actually adjust this so my head's back because I'm just gonna go sleep. Like, it is so oh. comfortable. And you have it on the driver and passenger side, and in back, the the outboard rear passengers also get their own little version of this. I've determined I don't think it's quite as floofy as the ones in front, but still you get your own little pillow. My only objection to this pillow is that 
it's got sort of like a suede finish to it. It's not leather. So it kind of grabs your hair a little bit. So as you turn your head, it keeps grabbing your hair. And I feel like after a road trip, my hair would be kind of like a mess. Like a little rat's nest. Like, like every time you look around. It's, back, just, is it, it's like, just swirling and swirling and yeah. swirling and swirling so your hair. I kept wanting to like straighten my hair. And I thought, this is just me. And then my daughter, who's 19, was writing. And she's like, this keeps like messing up my hair. And I'm like, oh, she thinks the same thing. So, but, oh my gosh, are these seats comfy? So comfy. Um, and again, this has... This is, there was a, I drove the sedan and the Mercedes sedan and the lights, the ambient lighting inside of the Mercedes, it never fails to crack me up that there are things you may not do while you are driving because it is distracting. But if you would like to set the lighting to go through a rainbow of colors constantly and blink and do this, you can do that. And that's not distracting, apparently, to have it look like you're inside of a nightclub as you're dun, 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 driving along, like your whole Daft Punk thing, the inside of this with that light would look absolutely appropriate at one of your concerts. I turn that stuff all the way up. I just drive around. It was, and I, well, you my, know, I like, and like within like five seconds, I completely forget it's on. Well, I notice it. You know, like, <laughs> I always notice it. I don't, it was like, there's certain But I feel like people driving by are like, what's going on in that guy's car? Oh, yeah. They're like, what the heck is this guy doing, right? It is really cool. My daughter loves to play it. So whatever ambient lighting is available, she puts it to the most in-your-face version of it that you can conceivably come up with. And it's hilarious. She did that. My husband sat down in the car last night. He's like, whoa, what is going on? I'm like, that would be her fault. Uh, so and it also has what they call the MBUX hyperscreen, which is 56 inches of screen. Your entire dashboard pretty much is screen. So you have a 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster, a 17.7-inch infotainment screen, and then a 12.3-inch passenger screen that does, I don't think all, but a lot of the functions you get on your infotainment. Um, so it's just screen, just screen everywhere. And the middle one, it it is gigantic. Uh, it looks cool, but again, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of I don't, screen. that screen is too much. To me, What's I like that? the regular. I just like the regular, like their little portrait screen that you can you get. You think it's too much? I, I, the, the, I, like no one ever cares about that. I show everyone the passenger screen. No passenger has ever been excited to use it. When I was in, but but when I was in, when when um I did the EQE SUV drive with uh, and Tim Stevens was driving, I was in the mm-hmm. passenger side and I watched some of um everything everywhere all at once, and I'm like, well, I guess I could do that. But then at the <laughs> same time, I could just do that on my iPad. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? It was interesting. My daughter had a really good point. And I I don't know that this is something that, and this isn't a Mercedes-Benz thing. This is anybody who has a screen on the passenger side. So when you're, your airbags, you know, like the thing, like if you're too close to the, to the steering wheel, it's not good to be too close because they always tell the driver, like the airbag could go off and it's time to go off at a certain thing. You shouldn't be too close. Like you shouldn't put your feet on a dashboard because if your the airbag goes off and the passenger's riding with their feet on the dashboard, the airbag's going to go off and hurt your feet. When she goes to use the infotainment screen, she's right in that she tends not to be laying all the way back. She leans forward on her knees to touch the screen. Mm-hmm. So you are now putting your face really, really close oh. to the screen. So if something happened, I feel like you're very, not that the screen's going to, but you know, there's an airbag in there. And I know the airbag is designed to go off and not cause the screen to hit you or anything, but you are very, very close to that dashboard. And until she said that, I never really thought about it. Like you are, because she said, like, if she's watching something, she'll watch it and she leans back. But if she's messing around with stuff, 
she leans in close to the screen. And I, I wonder about that. And again, not a Mercedes Benz knock, just a, hey, I wonder. I know if that the Mercedes, if you slam on that brake, it shoves you, it just grabs you and yanks you back. <laughs> Is it maybe that's it? Maybe it's going to immediately be the seatbelt tensioners will yank you back. There there are things that the the Mercedes does that is like insane. Like one of them is that. The other one is if you get out of your lane, it's like no. And it yanks you back into your lane. You will get back in the right lane. So maybe maybe it's set to do that. But it was something that had never occurred to me until my teenage daughter said, you know, I'm sitting actually really close to this as I'm playing around selecting things. That can't be safe. And I thought, gosh, I don't know. Is it? Like, it's a question. I wonder now. I, I need a Mercedes-Benz person to answer that question. Well, you, or you know what? With a do, do you remember screen? when we were kids and you know our parents told us, don't sit so close to the TV, you'll go blind? Right. Well, now yeah. it should just be, don't sit so close to the screen, you'll you'll get killed. You'll, you'll right. die. Like, right? Your like, hand will get smashed into your face. Like, I really, don't you wonder now? Like, I never thought about it until she said it. And now, because like, I know the, the Jeep, the Grand Wagoneer has one over there too. I feel yeah. like there's a couple different, so it's not Ferrari like Ferrari has one. Yeah. So it's not Jeep like a Mercedes Benz. Well, Porsche's got it in the like, Taycan. Oh yeah. Right? Porsche has it in the Taycan. So I wonder but, well, what I, kind the of The problem is, is the testing is that the people just get bored with them after about five minutes and they never use it again. I think that's, that's the, So it's not an issue. It's like, we're not using it. Don't worry. You're not going to get injured in an accident. Yeah, yeah. You're never going to yep. use it again okay, after the first 10 minutes. It's there. It does stuff. It Fine. does stuff. And then you, so anyway, yeah. so that was my thought about that screen and, and that it's gigantic. Um, I, I do feel like it's a bit much for the screen. Um, but as far as driving it, I mean, it it is a wonderful car to drive. It is, it looks so much like a luxury car. The second you open the door, and even before you open the door, like the handles pop out, it actually says Mercedes-Benz is like embossed onto the top part of the handles. At night, when you open the doors, the puddle lamps, they're like dual puddle lamps. One side, like the side on the outside of the door, has the traditional star. What are they? Do they call it a tri-star? I'm suddenly drawing a blank. The star, just the Mercedes, Mercedes Benz star, I think. The major, just Mercedes Benz star. But then they have when you pull the when you look at it from the inside, it has the little star pattern, the same one that makes up the grill. It's not just a badge on the grill. There's actually imagine the entire grill would be like a honeycomb pattern on a traditional car. It's just a million little like little. Just a little star, like not with a circle around it, just a little star. All so I get really nerdy and I go say, my God, it's full of stars. It's full of stars. <laughs> it's full of stars. The grill is full of stars. The puddle lamp is full of stars. And even on the inside, there's this natural wood that is on the center console. And it's actually on the front and the rear doors. And in that are embedded the same pattern of these tiny, teeny, teeny, wee, little, tiny, little metal stars. And you can kind of sort of feel them with your fingers. Like they're just ever so slightly, there's like some tactile thing going on there but like these are all unbelievable details like they just you sit down and you think holy cow this is a luxury car which i think when you sit down in a car that costs over a hundred thousand dollars there should be no doubt in your mind before you've even hit the start button that you were sitting in a hundred thousand dollar car if you can't tell then they've done it wrong there i think that sounds about right that so yeah so I like this I really I really like this I mean, it's it's expensive but it it does exactly what a car at this price point should do and you know it's an electric vehicle so it gets you something that's an EV oh and one of the cutest little things do you know how you fill the windshield washer fluid in this little thing pops out it's a little thing that pops out like it looks kind of like it should be like an EV charging port but it's actually a little tiny port in the front it pops open it's on the it's and, on the right front fender right on the uh yeah the driver's side front fender oh, the driver's like side this, or the passenger dri- side yeah. i think it was driver's, driver's side. side driver's oh. side 
and it pops open. But what's really funny is it pops open. It has a little image. Like if your washer fluid's out, you know the image you get on your instrument cluster. It has that inside that little thing. So if you look in it and you're wondering, like, what is this for? It has that same little washer fluid logo. But it kind of, when you look at it, it, makes me think of the little pod in your washing machine for fabric softener. Oh, yeah, Don't put fabric like... softener in there. That's not what I'm saying. But that's exactly what it looks like. But you pod. could. I mean, it would be bad. It would be bad in a hundred ways. Not recommending this. But yeah, so it just like pops out. You put in your windshield fodder for fluid and pop it back closed. It's really kind of cute. I thought that was neat. So that's my thoughts on the very fancy 2023 Mercedes-Benz EQS 580 SUV exclusive. 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 So before we we continue on, um, I remembered one other thing about the Corsair. (laughs) I think, I think justifies and its existence. And we're back existence. to the Panera sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> the Corsair, or at least the one I had, had a spare tire, which is extremely rare in a plug-in vehicle. Oh. Had, oh. Uh, so is in, that in one the back, point you, in the you lift up the favor? When you go in the cargo cargo area and you lift up the, the thing there on the floor, yes. there was a spare tire there. I was shocked. Ooh. I did well, not expect to see thing. a spare. That's so, a good thing. Yeah, that is that is actually quite rare, you know, in smaller plug-in vehicles. They're, usually all you get is an inflator kit, and this one had a, an actual spare tire. You know, it was a mini spare, but it was a spare nonetheless. So good on Lincoln for that. Yes, good job, Lincoln. Spare tire. Woohoo. <laughs> all right. Um, let's go into a few of the stories from this week. Um, first up, um, Rolls-Royce, uh, they have launched the uh, the Spectre. Their first electric vehicle. Did either of you get invited on the drive program for that? No, I did not drive the Spectre. I got invited. I couldn't go. Oh, there. It's generally gotten pretty rave reviews. Um, but um, you know, as is usual with anything that is you know limited in availability um, and uh, um, and in in some degree of high demand. Uh, to the you know to the extent that a four hundred thousand dollar car can you know have a lot of demand. Gosh, is that uh, what it starts at four hundred thousand? Yeah, something like that. Um, the uh, you know there are of course scalpers who dun, dun, dun. buy these things and turn around and sell them to somebody That's else with even more money for you know some ridiculous premium. Um, Rolls Royce is having none of that, and uh, they have said they have told people that if you buy a Spectre and you immediately turn around and sell it. Um, you will never, ever, ever, as long as you live, be able to buy another new Rolls Royce. Unless you buy it scalped. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you will never be able to buy one from Rolls Royce. You'll never be able to buy a brand new Rolls Royce from Rolls Royce. We will never sell you one again. And I don't know about you, but I like that idea. I think more automakers ought to do that. No more Rolls Royce for you. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a car that's a mass market car that's out there in tons and tons of units and people want it. And if people are just going to take advantage of the market to try and, you know, make a buck that way, that's stinks for people who are just willing to buy it and who maybe wanted to customize it because Mercedes, I mean, excuse me, Rolls Royce can do whatever kind of customization your heart desires. You know, if they just buy one and now the person who really wanted one is just a regular person with $400,000. Couldn't customize it the, or four fifty couldn't customize it the way they wanted. Yeah, I, I think that's a cool move. So it gives people who really want to buy it and keep it for themselves a better chance of getting it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next, um, battery plants—they're going up all over the place. Uh, 
the list that we have at you know at where I work guidehouse we've got a, about 30 battery plants um that will be should be operational in North America by the end of 2026 wow. on that list um and there's at least one of them that uh neighbors don't want it they don't want one there uh that is the uh the plant that Ford is building uh in Marshall Michigan which is in uh near near the Indiana border and tour over towards like southwest michigan um and uh it's a small rural small town rural area and there are some neighbors in the in the vicinity that do not want a factory with five thousand employees in their area um you know they apparently don't want the jobs uh and they are protesting yeah. and they're pushing back you know they're they're trying to get um trying to get a judge to uh to block the factory um you know the or uh, sorry, twenty five hundred employees, not five thousand. Only twenty five hundred. Oh okay. well, that's the different. That's yeah. a that's a horse of a <laughs> the, different color. Yeah, Fred Chapman has a message for Ford, who's which is planning to build a sprawling factory on the outskirts of his town to make batteries for electric cars. We don't need jobs, he says. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, like Fred that's... doesn't need a job apparently. Yeah. Hopefully, he's not running for anything because that is not a good playing for your platform. We don't yeah. need jobs. Fred doesn't need a job. Hey, I don't need a job. I don't know about the rest of you. Uh, wow. yeah. So this, this is what happens sometimes when automakers decide they want to go put, uh, factories in rural areas where people might be less inclined to want to unionize. And it looks like too, there's, there's like, they originally had like this, the parcel of land, it, it was 750 acres that's been available since like the sixties. So it's been empty probably for a really, really mm-hmm. long and then nobody would get it, but they need more. So that they actually got two adjacent parcels. They bought a ton of land. It's a yeah. big spot. Eleven hundred acres. Yeah. It's yeah, and and that's not as big as the land that they bought in Tennessee for their factories down there, because they have both a battery plant and an assembly new assembly plant um going up in this place east of Memphis, um, Stanton, Tennessee. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it's it's a big investment that Ford's making uh, to build LFP batteries uh, for their future vehicles, and the locals don't want it there. And that's you know, there's also another one, and I think part of this has to do with the fact that um, you know, even though Ford owns this plant outright, they are licensing some technology for LFP batteries from CATL, the Chinese battery manufacturer, because mm-hmm. originally Ford was planning to do this plant in Virginia. And uh, Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, said, nope, we don't want this plant in Virginia because, you know, there was this little slight connection with with CATL. Said, we don't want Mm -hmm. any Chinese companies involved in anything in Virginia. So Ford said, "Okay, fine, we'll go to Michigan. And and now they're getting pushed back from the locals there, too. Michigan's like, no, thank you. (laughs) Well, the the state of Michigan's giving Ford a bunch of money, uh, you know, as as most states usually do whenever a company builds a big factory. But um, they, uh, you know, the just some of the locals are are pushing back against this. Oh, I'm reading I, all the way down to the bottom. And this guy, Chapman, Mr. I, we don't need jobs. He lives across the street from the from where they're going to be building it. Yeah. So he, of course, he doesn't want that directly across the street. And they tried to buy it and he doesn't want to sell. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, you buy. I mean, that's that's a stinker. But when you buy land across the street from a commercially zoned thing. Mm, someday yeah. they might build something. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think this is, you know, I don't think this is ultimately going to get stopped, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, 
it's weird you know especially you know when it's not you know it's not that it hasn't been that often that new factories like this got built until relatively recently and now we've got a whole slew of these battery plants going up mm-hmm. and you know i think you know we should i don't think we should be trying to stop these things no they need to be built so yeah, yeah they gotta go it's somewhere. like housing people gotta yep. live somewhere and it is a commercial zone so okay Tough, all right but people need jobs and they need houses Womp. um so caterham you guys know who caterham is right Mm-hmm. Little, yeah, little British car maker. They make that funny little yes. thing. They, they, yeah, they back Until in the early 1970s. Back in, yeah, back in the early 70s, they bought uh, uh, when Lotus stopped building the seven. You know, the, the sports car. Um, Caterham bought the tooling from Lotus, and they have continued to build the seven in various incarnations ever since for you know 40, no, 50 years now. Um, and now, after 50 years of building the seven, they finally have a new car. Uh, that they unveiled uh, every the- 50 years. We're going to get a new catering <laughs> as part of the, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Um, it's uh, it's it's electric. It's it's nothing like the Caterham seven. Um, it's uh, about the same size as a Porsche Boxster, but it has three seats, um, 268 horsepower and uh, has 249 mile electric range. It looks fantastic. It does look beautiful. It doesn't look anything like a seven, though. It no. does not. It's going to be a very pretty, expensive. Pretty it's yeah. pretty. Because they're a tiny yeah. company. But uh, it looks fantastic. Like, you know, it just cut the top off, boom, and you got the new Mazda Miata EV. This, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they said price less than 80,000 pounds, which is about $103,000 US right now. So, so okay. 79,000 pounds. <laughs> That looks fantastic. Um, all right. Um, Chevy, um, their, their three-row crossover, the Traverse. Um, the current one has been around since about 2018 uh, or 2017. And um, there's a new one coming early next year. Um, as, as we record this, it's Thursday. It's going to be officially unveiled on Monday when this will be, when the show will be published. Um, and they've got a new third generation traverse, um, it's all new, um, looks quite different from the first two generations of traverse. What do you think? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> it's fine. It's a traverse. It's I'm, all the Chevy, tra- all the Chevy's SUVs are got, look essentially just everyone. They like, we made the blazer. Everything's going to look like the blazer. Yeah. Is sort of the the deal, which is fine because I like the way the blazer looks. It looks fine. I, I don't see any, you know, three rows. It's, people. It's a lot chunkier looking than before. I mean, it's yeah. basically the same size. Um, yeah, but you it's, know, but the Traverse is like the car that you forget was made. Like yeah. I forgot about the Traverse. I was made like I'll forget about a Traverse like three seconds after we stop talking about the the Traverse. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like. <laughs> Like, what? oh, yeah, the Traverse. Oh, I feel yeah. Like it's a solid little car, little car, little SUV. It's pretty big, SUV. actually. SUV. Pretty... I know. I, I, I'm like, those are the wrong word choice. I feel like it's a solid large SUV. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, 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 was, I was looking up the sales for this segment, you know, the kind of upper midsize, large three row crossover segment. And in 2010, you know, which is about a year and a half after the Traverse was launched, the original Traverse was launched, uh, it was about, 380,000 units in the US. And you know, that's for mainstream brands. This isn't, you know, it doesn't include the the premium versions. Um and 
over the last several years, it's been over a million. So, I mean, this is a market that's grown a lot. It's got a bunch of new competitors like the Hyundai Palisade and the, um, the uh, um, Kia yeah. Telluride and, you know, upcoming the Kia EV9 and, and you know, the Explorer, of course, and, and various others. And this, this is a, a big segment. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so this new Traverse is, you know, it looks a lot more truckish than before. Uh, yeah, it's a bit more like, yeah, it's a bit burlier. It's more, yeah. it's butch. Burly. It's more butch than the previous Traverse. That's, yeah. that's it's the, the butch Traverse. It's the butch Traverse. Um, yeah, you know, that's I, kind of I a guess. nice thing though, because so many the the big SUVs, they're going towards trying to make them not look butch. It's either you know what I mean. They're trying to do this sort of like well, sleeker some, kind of thing. Some, some, I mean, they're they're doing you know these more rugged trim levels of a lot of them you yes know, like, they do have the like you got the, <laughs> the the pathfinder um rock creek edition right and the explorer yeah. timberline and yeah. um the 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 telluride has one i forget what the what it's called now but yeah and they're all doing these off-road-ish versions and so new for this year for the the traverse is a, Z, a z71 trim which has all-terrain tires and different dampers and and a Dual clutch, uh, all-wheel drive system. You know, that should oh, give man. a little better. That's traction. gonna be so dope in the Costco parking lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna drive over this little cement uh, stopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right over it. No, no one can stop me. And then no one... uh, the the interior, I think, is a big improvement over the current. Yeah, interior is nice. Uh, you can like 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 there's like you can see where the start stop stuff is. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it looks a lot like the blazer EV and the Equinox EV, but with rectangular vents instead of circular vents, like you have on the blazer and, and the same 17.7 inch center touchscreen. So it's the same size center infotainment screen is on that hyper screen Mercedes. Hyper, hyper, hyper screen. A little bit less expensive. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I feel I don't like know. you looked at the price cheaper. of the Silverado EV, <laughs> he was gonna yeah. come in 128 cheaper. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so anyway, we don't know pricing yet, it's gonna go on sale early in the new year. Um, one other big change is uh, powertrain. Um, the, the V6, the 3.6 liter V6 is gone, and the um, uh, the the two liter four cylinder turbo is also gone, and now the only engine is a two point five liter turbo, which is new, uh, which I'm pretty sure is a slightly downsized version of the two point seven liter that they have in the the Silverado and the Canyon and Colorado and a bunch of other vehicles, um, and three hundred and fifteen horsepower and uh, three hundred and seventeen foot pounds of torque, mm. uh, so so should have decent performance. Yeah. Um, and they'll also have Super Cruise available in here, so should be pretty good. Um, yeah, it goes yeah. goes on sale early 2024. So soon, not that far away. Early 2024. Yep. It's already the middle of 2023. So yeah, but you and all your friends can go on a trip. You and all your friends to Costco. We <laughs> <laughs> might go further. Uh, yeah, we talked we talked a minute ago about battery plants. All these new battery plants going up. Um, but apparently some automakers are having trouble building the, or selling the EVs that they have now, um, which is not good. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they're, they're apparently starting to pile up on dealer lots. So if you were thinking about buying an EV, 
you might actually be able to get a decent deal on one now. You might might actually be able to negotiate and you know you're not gonna get ripped down. off. It's yeah. like it, and it's because you know it's funny because people have been being ripped off for a while now or just having these huge markups so like, for oh, such a long time. Yeah. They're so used to like either you have to wait or you're gonna pay a heck of a lot more than what the sticker says. Um, it would be nice for some people to not have to face that problem for a little while. Yeah, yeah there, there's apparently yeah. a lot of Mach-E's and F-150s on lots right now. No, uh, there was a huge wait for F-150s. I thought it was... There, there was like, until they started jacking the price up. And now all of a sudden... Yeah. Uh, Supply and demand. Yep. Now they're like, oh, no. They're like, well, uh, people will pay for this, so we'll just raise the price. And you're just like, they're only going to pay for this for so long, man. So maybe that hundred and twenty nine thousand dollar Mercedes that I have right now could actually get you could have it for a bargain pace of like one twenty. Yeah. Maybe. Or you could you can get a seven thousand dollar discount on a Toyota BZ four X or Subaru Saltera. Mm. Um, <laughs> Robbie said. What Robbie you know, said. No Maki, man. The Maki's a good car. The Maki, I would buy. I buy the F one fifty and I buy the Maki. I actually really like both of those. Two totally different vehicles, totally different use cases, but I would buy go. Either one. 2023 Mercedes EQS 450 Formatic, uh, MSRP 118000 $7,500 Mercedes incentive, $4,500 additional incentive, $4,000 dealer contributions. Ooh. $3, you just randomly <laughs> Google a, a dealership to see No, this is in the Jalopnik story. That oh, it is it's in yeah, there. Yeah, if you scroll okay. down, it's there. So, it, oh my gosh! So you you can get a deal on a, on an EQS. Oh, I don't yeah. know about the SUV. Look at this, that. this looks like it's actually the seventy five forty five four thousand three thousand. Yeah, I think that's the um, sedan. You but want still. the you want the SUV. I mean, I I prefer sedans over SUVs, but when it comes to the EQS, the SUV is better because the sedan the the rear headroom is not great. You're, you're yeah, better the, off with the, the SUV. The SUV is really roomy. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're better off with that SUV. So that's like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16,000. Is that like sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000 off? That's what it looks like to me. Okay, wow. I was trying to do math, and I'm like, uh, wow. So some pretty hefty discounts on, on, some, on, some, on some EVs. Not all of them. Right. But, you know, some and then, you know, I mean, Tesla has slashed the prices on the Model 3 and the Model Y multiple times this year, um, you know, cut them by upwards of 20 percent from where they were at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that this is part of why, you know, you're starting to see, you know, inventories build up and 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 sales starting to lag on some of the competitors because, you know, the competitors have not dropped prices uh, for the most part, have not cut prices in the way that Tesla has. And so instead, they're just doing going back to the traditional discounting method the way they used to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, with with more EVs coming to market, I think they're, it's going to be it's going to be a little more affordable to get them. Everything's coming up mailhouse. Yep. <laughs> um, an, another EV that um, should be more affordable next year uh, in 2024 is the Kia EV9 which you know, we've talked about, uh, goes on sale later this year. Um, initially, the EV9 is going to be coming to us from South Korea, which means that it will not be eligible for the $7,500 federal tax credit unless you find a way to get that through a lease. Uh, but just, just this morning, Kia announced that they are spending $200 million to expand their West Point, Georgia assembly plant to add production of the EV9 in Georgia uh, starting in the second quarter of next year. So by, by next summer, you, you will be able to get 
U.S. built EV9s that will be eligible for the tax credit. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And if the EV9's a little bit too big for you, how about an Ionic 5N? Dun, dun, dun. It looks fan. <laughs> fan? That's, that's all? Fan. Fantastic. Sorry, okay, the dog came up to me and interrupted like that, my... Robbie lost his train of thought. The dog, Wait, the dog required pets suddenly. Setting a um, new, it's debuted at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, setting a new benchmark for high-performance EVs and driving fun. I love reading the titles that give press releases. It's, it's so crazy. Um, yeah, so um, they, you know, they've been talking about the Ionic 5N for a while, and I think they're, they're going to do an Ionic 6N as well. Um, 641 horsepower from this one. So it's, it's faster than the EV, or more powerful than the EV6 GT, or the uh, Genesis GV60 performance. Um, and it has something that those two cars do not have, which is yeah. simulated eight-speed DCT, Ooh. Uh, which I, I don't know why you would want this. <laughs> but it has it. It's yeah. such a weird thing. It's like, it, okay, sure, you got it. Like, okay, right, fine, <laughs> if that's what you felt like we needed. Okay. So I guess, you know, there will just be a little blip in the in the torque delivery as you're That's accelerating like, so every once in a while you'll get a little dip in the torque delivery you know, just, just to, for kicks yeah just to make it so feel- i'm looking at is this a thing i guess it's a thing the three pillars of n performance which are corner rascal racetrack capability and everyday sports car corner rascal corner rascal is the name of my country band so i'm filing the suit <laughs> uh all I can think of is like yeah. that rascally rabbit. That it makes me think of Bugs Bunny cartoons of old. Corner Rascal. Corner Rascal. Yeah. Among, mm-hmm. among the uh, the many exclusive performance features are the end battery preconditioning, which will warm up the battery before you go on on the track. Mm-hmm. End race, end pedal, end brake regen, end drift optimizer, uh, end torque distribution, end launch control, end grin boost. <laughs> Grin boost, the uh, oh and Lord. active sound plus, which uh, that that makes it makes the whole thing sound like it's got uh, the Hyundai two point or the two liter turbo uh, okay. from the uh, I think from the Elantra N, um, and then and then the DCT, you know, with the N E shift. I don't know. I, I think some of this is a little silly. Oh, there's a lot of N. It's a lot of silly, you and know, I am very it. excited about this car. It's oh, all Stanley City, it. and I'm I'm i I'll probably use you know if I once once we get in for when I get in for review, um, I'll use all those things for about ten minutes, and they'll be like, all right, that's enough of that. And <laughs> drive it, okay, but for I'm ten little, minutes, I will be a child. I'm a little disappointed that when I look at the colors, which all have lovely names, and co- including something called Soltronic Orange Pearl, but there's no N anything. There's like. N gravity blue or anything. There's no N in any of the color names. They put an N on every single feature of that car, but not one of those color names comes with like, you know, Atlas white matte N, gravity gold N matte. Nope. Mm-mm. But they like do have that, perf- opportunity. That, that performance blue that is the signature color of the N brand. But how cool would it have been if it had been performance blue N matte? N yeah. performance blue matte. Maybe. Yeah. Might be getting a little bit too long of a name for a color. Oh, because putting an N in front of every other single single feature on the car was <laughs> totally cool. 
Uh, all right. Uh, anything else on the Elantra or the Ionic 5N? No, I don't it's I want the Ionic 5N. That's the only I know, thing I, really I got. That's all I got. I just I just fun. want it. I want to be driving it. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to call friends. Mm-hmm. I want them to come over. I want to put my dogs in the back. I want to take band things with it. I really like the Ionic 5, and I know that the EV6 GT drove so much better than it. Oh, and then so now there's this. And oh, Road and Track did a drive with it, and they were like, "This is the best like performing EV." And I was like, "What? Wow. That's yeah." Those are so I trust words. Brian. I trust Brian over at the old Road and Track. <laughs> you so Road and Track. <laughs> if Brian likes it. It's good enough for me. That's the <laughs> get the Brian seal of approval. I'll, I'll buy it. All right. Well, I spent the day today with Magna. They did their summer tech day. Um, and we spent the morning at Hollyoaks ORV Park uh, north of Detroit and in the afternoon at their at their uh, tech center uh, in Troy. And um, this morning we got to drive prototype um, electric Jeep Gladiator with Magna's E-Beam electric axles. Um, so Magna has designed um, a solid axle with an integrated um, electric motor and gearbox on there. And they had two of these on the Gladiator, one in the front, one in the back. And we got to drive around uh, on the the ORV park uh, in this electric Gladiator. And it was really good. It was really, really good. (laughs) I I, want to say something about the Gladiator, just completely off track, just to mess up everyone's day. Um, Mm -hmm. Every time I see the Gladiator, I'm like, oh, is that the... uh the uh what was it called comanche i'm like oh, oh. I, I saw gladiator today i'm like oh look at comanche oh no <laughs> wait no 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 <laughs> you keep wanting it to be a comanche or you think it looks like one? it just the comanche was the it, jeep truck from the yeah i mean oh, it was so it was a, keep wanting it, it was based it on that. the xj cherokee it was an xj cherokee pickup uh back in the in the late 80s and mm. yeah i mean this doesn't look anything like a comanche but I think it's command- just a truck. Yeah. yeah. Technically, it's a Jeep and it's a truck, so totally the same thing. Yeah. In my brain, I yeah. saw it the other day, and I'm all, "Oh, Comanche!" I'm like, "No, Robbie, no." <laughs> and to be Long honest, wrong vehicle, no, Robbie. No. But one of the one of the cool things about this, um, you know, and this was a, a a Magna prototype. You know, they they built it to to demo their hardware that they've developed. You know, and to show it off to automakers. You know, try and sell it to them. And um, one of the the cool features that they built into this. Uh, is the uh, uh, their E4 low system. So it's basically it's just software um, that uh, simulates the effect of having four wheel drive low because there's no there's no transfer case in this thing like you right. have on a regular Gladiator or Wrangler or you know any other off roader. Um, and what it does is it just changes the mapping between the accelerator pedal. And what gets commanded the motors. So, you know, goes at really low speeds. But the nice thing about it is, you know, even though with electric motors, you know, the great thing about electric motors, you get that instant responsiveness. The bad thing about electric motors off road is you get that instant responsiveness. (laughs) Yeah. So you get all that torque right away. And that's what happened when I, when we were out in Utah, when I drove the Wrangler out there. Uh, when it slid sideways on that hill, because I was driving it in electric mode. And so, you know, I, you know, got on the accelerator and, you know, even though I, I didn't stomp on the accelerator or anything, it just gave it that instant shot of torque. And then 
the wheel slid sideways because I was on, you know, side, I was on a slope, you know, off to one side and it just slid, went sideways down the hill. Um, and, you know, with, with this one, because it modulates, it makes it a mo lot easier to modulate that torque delivery with your foot. So you can be a lot more gentle with it when you're in conditions like that. And, you know, we drove it around and drove it up, you know, this, um, you know, kind of a simulated version of the same thing, you know, that, that they, that had been built there, you know, they had, um, this hill that was paved over to make it as if it was a big rock in the desert, like, like the one we climbed with the Wrangler. And it's much easier to drive that way when you put it in that E4 low mode. So that this is going to be one of the really interesting things about, you know, getting electric off-roaders is having that kind of capability. That's sort of like able the ability like when you like you know when you read the four by e you realize just how much how you have that direct you know attachment mm -hmm. to the road where mm -hmm. when you're driving an ice vehicle you're like okay let me you know unless you're driving with a manual transmission there's like it feels like there's like a little delay and you're like okay let me see my wait uh, okay now I'm moving all right now yeah <laughs> and and even when it moves I mean you're not getting all the torque at once you know you get, yeah you know with 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 an internal combustion engine you get it builds up so uh i think i think this this will be better it'll be a lot easier to drive um you know it is of course you know a fair bit heavier than a, a gas gladiator this thing uh Just was a about, little bit yeah it's it's about uh 6500 pounds i think they said for the the prototype um and i think that's about uh let's see um uh, curb weight uh for the yeah for uh, a V6 um, Gladiator Sport, starts at about 4,700 pounds. Uh, Rubicon Rubicon's about 5,000 pounds, and this was so about 1,500 pounds more than a current gas Gladiator Rubicon. Uh, so it's, it's Rubicon. a little bit heavier. Rubicon. But hopefully, hopefully that'll get lighter. Yeah. Um, we they saw a bunch have, of. Yeah, oh, they just sort of built it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, you know they they threw it together just to test it out so another they showed us a whole bunch of stuff but one other thing i want to talk about is um they demoed their uh, alcohol detection system how's so, that work um you know in the in the infrastructure bill one of the things that was in there when that was passed a year and a half ago is a requirement that nitsa uh implement a regulation um you know that all all new vehicles will have to have um, a system that could detect a drunk driver and you know prevent them from starting the car. And so the system that Magna has come up with has got an air quality sensor that they've got right now for development purposes is mounted on the side of the, the steering column and uh, driver monitor system, the infrared cameras like we have for, you know, for Blue Cruise and, and Super Cruise and things like that. Um, and the the air quality sensor when when you breathe on when you breathe in the vicinity of it, it will detect alcohol molecules in the air. So it's a built-in uh, breathalyzer. It's a built-in breathalyzer. Uh, but what if someone with you in the car is like really drunk? So I asked about yeah, that. Yeah, you because know, I don't drink you know, at all. Yeah, but I like you know I'm sober. I'm you know I'm designated, I'm designated driver. driver for like everyone else. And so if everyone's super drunk, then I'm like, sorry guys, you got to walk. Yeah, you I got y'all got everyone hold your breath. <laughs> so so this is why they have the infrared driver camera, 
So they're uh, using both. Um, so, you know, even if it detects alcohol, that might be from somebody else in the vehicle. It's also looking at your eyes and your, 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 your face, your head position and things like that. And it's looking, you know, it's looking at the responsiveness of your pupils and, you know, all this stuff, because there's all kinds of things that characterize when, when somebody is impaired, you know, and, you know, that, and, you know, also looking for things like drowsiness um, mm. or, you know, any kind of, you know, if, if you've got a, some, having some sort of medical emergency. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, even if it, if the, the air quality sensor detects over a certain percentage, you know, if it detects, you know, clearly that, you know, you are, you don't appear to be impaired, you mm-hmm. know, then it tries to avoid false positives that way by using the two sensors together. All right. It also asks you if you know, if it knows you, and then you say, you don't know me. Then it's like, no, you're not allowed <laughs> to go anywhere. Yeah. No. Do I know you? You're like, yeah, sure. You know me, car, whatever. It's fine. But if yeah. you reply, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. So walking home. So it's that's still in development, but um, you know it'll probably be coming in the next uh, the next few years to your car. You'll have to you'll have to breathe on your car to prove to it that uh, <laughs> I mean that I, you yeah. you should be allowed to drive. You had to breathe. Everyone remember to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's answer a few listener questions. I know you've got to go pretty soon, Robbie. I got a motor. I got to go drive a, a Lamborghini. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh wow! I feel so sorry for you. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, Robbie. Well, I also, I, ha- I also have like three things. I also have two more articles to write, but mostly oh, I have to, I have no, to drive I the Lamborghini. Feel so sorry for you. Whatever. All oh. I heard was I'm going off to drive a Lamborghini. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lamborghini. Right, are, are, are you taking off right now then no no like we oh, can okay. order we can answer some reader okay. questions okay or listener questions not reader right. <laughs> so uh oh, one of our man. patrons uh steven uh, wrote to us um and said wheel bearings team have been a subscriber to the major print magazines for decades and a longtime listener of multiple automotive podcast i just wanted to say that nicole's description <laughs> of a muscle car as quote a little bit obnoxious with a bit of grrr, arr, <laughs> is among the most brilliant pieces of automotive journalism I've seen. It's clear, That's concise, and perfectly captures the emotion that makes these otherwise hard-to-define cars special. Non-gearheads can understand it, and the phrase is a joy to share. <laughs> Thanks for all you do, and best of luck on the road ahead. You're very welcome, Stephen. I'm, I'm pleased with my it. inability to come up with words and just make grr, sounds to describe ah. words. Grr, arr. That is that grr and R are words. I, yeah. it, it is accurate. I appreciate that you appreciate He wrote them out. Yeah, he even he spelled them correctly. Grr, it actually arr. says grr, arr. <laughs> Those are it. words. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Uh, all right. Next up from Rick uh, from Utah, also a Patreon supporter. Thank you for, yeah. to all of our supporters. Woo-hoo. We appreciate Woo-hoo. you. My pets um, appreciate you helping them buy pet food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it says, Rick says you do a great job. Uh, you talked about what you do in your jobs, and I appreciate all your hard work. Thanks. Although I'm a little bit envious driving all these cool cars. No, well, I mean, I'm just going not... to drive a Lamborghini. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, last week I was driving a VW Taos. That's a fine car. It's <laughs> a cool car. Not all cool cars. Some of them are. They're not all me. cool. They're fine. Some cool. of them are like, you know wait, what? This is good. Wait, wait till you hear what I'm driving this week. Uh-oh. Is it a Lamborghini? No. Oh. GR Corolla Marizo. Oh, that's right. You said oh, that is a cool yourself. car. Yeah. That's better than my car. I'll trade you the Lamborghini for that GR Corolla. <laughs> It'd probably fit better in the in the GR Corolla. <laughs> in the GR Corolla. I yeah. had the Urus. I had the I had the Huracan Urus. a few weeks ago. So they're like, hey, you want the Urus? I'm like, sure. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, Rick had two questions. Uh, I purchased a Mach-E all-wheel drive extended battery a year and a half ago. Absolutely love it. I purchased a Ford Level 2 charger. But with all the news about new charging stations and NACS charging, when I'm out and about, will there be adapters? So when I need to charge, I can just pull the adapter out to charge my car. Um, so mm-hmm. let's answer that one first. Okay. Um, yes, eventually, probably. Um, <laughs> there, there should be adapters. All, all the automakers, including Ford, have promised adapters coming next year uh, when they start uh, making the adding support for NACS. Um, and so there, there's a bunch of companies that will probably be building these things, and they, they should be available some you know within within the next 12 months probably hopefully by the early part of next year um and then you know there's also a handful of tesla supercharger stations with the magic docks which kind of have the adapter built in um so that's um yeah you, that shouldn't be a problem and there will also be you know ccs chargers which may or may not work around for a long time um and then next question nicole i need your help my wife's Uh-oh. lease is about to expire on her Toyota RAV4 XLE. A little background. We live in a small town about an hour out of Salt Lake City. Uh, so when we go to the big, quote, city, uh, we have to drive through a pass. We start at, at uh, 4,698 feet, go to nearly 6,000, and then down to 4,000 feet in 10 miles. In the winter, when we have uh, doctor's appointments in the, quote, big city or do big shopping, it can be crazy. My wife has fallen in love with the torque and power of my Mach-E and would like something similar. So whatever we get has to be all-wheel drive. I usually do all of the background work and then give her informed options. Then she makes the ultimate decision. Would an EV or a plug-in be better? Do you have any recommendations? Um, Nicole, what would she like? Um, would, some, <laughs> would something like a plug-in Sorento have similar power? I'm doing my research and scheduling test drives soon, and I'd like to use the charger I already have. Tesla is out on her RAV4. Uh, oh, her RAV4 has 17,000 miles on it after two and a half years, and my Mach-E already has 20,000 plus in a year and a half. Uh, you can see whose car is being driven to the big city. Uh, oh, we're empty nesters and presently petless. Kids live out of state and visit once or twice a year. Okay, so I'm trying to remember what I'm like. I'm, I'm like... Frantically so they, taking notes as we're reading through. They drive this. the Maki to the big city right now. They drive the Maki to the big city right now. And that is a really, like, that's a fun. I mean, EVs always have a little more kick. You know, that sort of acceleration is right there in an EV. So you're always going to find that more in an EV than you are in a gas car, even like the plug in hybrids. I mean, you get it, but depending on how hard you're hitting the gas. And once you get up there, now you're, now you're on gas. You're not using the EV part of it. Unless things. you're buying a McLaren. Yeah, unless you're buying McLaren, I'm thinking that's probably not what you're looking for in yeah, the not, winter yeah. through mm. a pass in the mountains outside Salt Lake City. Um, I'm trying to, guys, does the Kia, does the EV6 GT have all-wheel, what does that have? Yeah, it's all-wheel drive. All-wheel drive. Because that's actually what pops into my head if she's looking EV6 for something. EV6 GT, wow. You're going all in. You know you're what? Like, yeah, well, she's, let's do I'm it. Doing, I'm saying You know, that. an EV6 GT with winter tires? That, okay, yeah. and the reason I'm saying that is because they're driving the Mach-E. They like the Mach-E better than the RAV4. So she, if she wants something that has a little get up and go and feels a little more perform, like the Mach-E has that performance sort of vibe to it. So does the EV6. And if I'm remembering, so like the regular EV6, but the EV6 GT is a little bit more fun. Yeah. So I would, like my first thing that pops to my head is EV6 or if you want to do like the EV6 GT. 
That's my thought. What's your thought, guys? Or, What's your? You, I'm you know, fine. With, no, there, I, there's I. There's Maquis piling up on Duto lots. You can. Get I know. This is a. You want another Maquis? You can get a Maki GT. The Maki GT is all-wheel drive, but you already have a Maki. Don't get the same car yeah. twice. That's, that's see, weird. I would say Maki, except they're driving one. But I'm like, okay, so they're driving Maki. That's the kind of thing that if they like that better than they like the Rav Four, then the EV6 GT is what pops into my head as a as a as an EV because you're already okay driving an EV. You already know that you're comfortable taking through the pass and then it does. Okay. Right. So, and, and it charges super fast. Like there's that, Oh yeah, like there's the, that. The, the, the 10 to eight, the, um, what I'm trying to say 10 to 80%. I don't have the numbers at hand, but like 10 to 80% is stupid. 18 fast. minutes. It's like 235, 236 is the charge rate. Right. Yeah. So, so you can charge that it's pretty, pretty fast. Quick. So it's not like you're going to be sitting around waiting forever. Once you go through to the big city for the shopping, you can charge it pretty much back up in no time. Um, you got so plenty of I, cargo space in there. I mean, if your kids aren't uh, with you, hold yeah, down that back seat. Because you don't have to worry about the kids. And when they, for the two times a year or whatever, or once or twice a year they're in town, if they need to ride with you, you still can put people in the back seat of that and it's comfortable. Like you wouldn't want to do it all the time if they were always with you. But if you put a couple of adult kids back there, you could definitely do that. It's got enough room for cargo. Does and it'll work with your existing charger. Exactly. So you don't have to worry about changing that out. So if that's yeah. not on your list... I would put that on your list. Or I mean, you put it. How about a Hyundai put, Ionic 5N? That would well. That's not out yet. Yeah, I don't you know what the that. date is. I'm I'm assuming right next now. year. But you, he also said the Sorento, um, like a plug-in Sorento, have similar power. I feel like you would. Hmm. I like the Sorento, and I think the plug-in is good. But I don't. I don't. Feel yeah, like it's it not going to have. It's not going to have nearly as much power. It, it, it's not going to feel as strong as the Maki. No, it's not going to. And that's where I was. That's what's informing my decision here is like if they like if she likes the torque and the power of the Mach-E, then then I would go with an EV6 GT or okay. EV6 even. But I was yeah. EV6 GT. My, my only my only issue with the, the GT is it only has like 200 ish miles, like right. very and low, the, like two or something. Yeah, but, but they've only put 17,000 miles on the RAV4 in two and a half years. Yeah. And it's only this is a 10 mile drive. Into Salt Lake from there. Oh, is it only ten miles? I thought it was ten miles. Oh, yeah. Why have we been talking about this? You know, big elevation change, but it's only over ten miles. So the range, the range, I don't think is going to be an issue. EV6GT. EV6GT. He does go on to say, you know, after listening to the show, I bought snow tires and switched between them tires for the seasons. Yeah, excellent, very, very good. Good job. Um, we had record temperatures and snowfall this year, and we've never felt more safe uh, driving with our weather uh, with our weather changes. We lived in Southern California for fifty plus years. We moved up here to Utah. Neither of us have experienced driving in the snow, but listening to your show, we bought tires, and it really helped us. Yeah, because that, so, that is all the difference. Yay! Because everybody, winter tires are the best thing to have in the winter. Yeah, so, I mean, that that may be something to keep in mind, though. You know, with the the EV6 GT, you know, ground clearance is not going to be great. You know, so if they're depending on how quick they are with you know with clearing but the snow, they've been, they've been doing it in the Mach E, yeah. right? And I don't think the Mach E yeah, ground that's clearance true. is it's probably, I mean, it's probably high, not much it's, different. Is it that much yeah. different? It's not like one's really SUV height and one's yeah. really sedan height. They're both. Eh, middling, so like, eh. the, you know, the, you can see the hand uh, motion I'm making yeah. for in the middle. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm all about the the EV6, EV6 yeah. GT. Oh, Robbie's leaving us. I have to go. 
So I'm not going to be able to help with the next two. Uh, oh, okay. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. A lot of we'll questions. Make do yeah. while you go yeah. drive your. Just make some stuff up. Do you know what? Just Whatever. use my. Just use. Just make make pretend you're me and just say ridiculous things, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that's Robbie." <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do that. You say Robbie wrote that. the script for us for this question. Yeah, Robbie just told us what to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bye, we'll Robbie. talk to you next time. Bye. All right. Um, yeah, you know the another possibility too. You know, if if you decide that you want something a little different from the Mach E, um, you know, might be to wait till later in the year, uh, depending on what your timing is. If yeah. you need to do this, you know, fairly soon, you know, then I would go with the EV6. Otherwise, you might want to consider, you know, the EV9. You know, if you mm-hmm. want something with a little more ground clearance, a little more. SUV like I don't know if they want that big, right? Because they're That's empty true. nesters with yeah, they don't they don't kids. really need that something that big. That might be a little big. more car than yeah. they need. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I I I I go with the EV6 GT. I really think that's my yeah. top one. I feel like have you know if you're thinking Sorento, have her test drive it just to see, but yeah. you're not going to get it's not going to feel like the Maki. Yeah, definitely not. The, the GT, the EV6. It is, a, it is a really good vehicle, though. It's a great vehicle, but if you she likes that like that performance feel, EV6 GT. Yeah. All right. All day. Next up from Ed. Uh, thank you for answering my question a few episodes ago. I really appreciate it, and it helped me make an informed decision. Um, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the question was. But okay. we will proceed with answering these questions. Okay. I have a second question regarding the CCS versus NACS connector. Um, could you give a quick, if possible, explanation of the engineering differences? Um, well, the the main, the, the main the main the <laughs> main things are it, the NACS connector is physically much 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 smaller than the CCS connector. CCS connectors is a big bulky thing, um, and another important factor is the CCS connector. the The latch you know went to lock into place is actually on the connector. So, uh, you know, a lot of times when you, you know, sometimes when you go to chargers, if somebody has accidentally rolled over the connector, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if they left it laying on the ground and they drove over it, that latch will get broken. And so when you put it on there, it, you know, it'll, it, the friction will hold it on, but there's nothing to prevent somebody from, from pulling it off. Right. Um, with NACS, the latch mechanism is actually in the port in the car. It's not on the connector. So it's much less likely to get broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's that's one thing. You know, the physical size is smaller. Um, the NACS connector, as it was originally designed, the, the CCS and the the J seventeen seventy two connectors. One of the things, you know, the requirements when they were developing the standards was it had to withstand ten thousand insertion cycles. So pl- plugging it in and unplugging it ten thousand times. Um, the CC, the NACS connector is apparently only designed for about 3000 cycles. Hmm. So it's not really designed with the same level of durability. Um, and you know, for, for Tesla, you know, they made the decision to do that so they could have a smaller connector. And they also decided up front that they, they would do this and just, um, go with, you know, um, you know, just plan on replacing them more frequently on the chargers, you know, as they wear out, instead of waiting till 10,000 cycles to replace them, they would replace them after 2,500, 3,000 cycles or whenever they mm-hmm. needed to be replaced. So it, the the specs are a little different, but function, you know, in terms of what they actually do, the capabilities are are similar and the, the latest, you know, it's supposed to be able to support up to a uh, thousand kilowatts, a megawatt charging 
um, with that NACS connector. So we'll we'll see. Um, pros and cons. I kind of covered that. The, the 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 biggest pro for NACS is the the size, and it's also a lot easier to insert. Uh, and we talked about this before. You know, if you actually yeah. look at the charge port on a Tesla, the the edges of the the port where you plug it in are kind of tapered a little bit so they're, they're, they're curved a little bit so when you stick when you stick the charger in or the the connector in it it goes in much easier because and you don't necessarily have to have it directly perpendicular it doesn't have to go yeah, straight in really, if you it, have it, it is, it's much easier because when you because i plugged in a tesla tune it is pretty easy but when you're plugging in the the ccs you or css am i saying CCS. CCS, you like if you were slightly off angle, you are not plugging that in. Like mm-hmm. it is not kind to you. And if you're trying to plug in in a dark spot, like it's not bright, you, you have that moment like, what am I? Why am I not lining this up right? Like it, it, it's they're definitely harder to plug in. Yeah, and and because they're bigger and heavier, and the cables for CCS are heftier. Yeah. When they get cold, they get stiff. Which and like, I've dealt with in some cold weather, and it literally there was one time it truly I was driving with another person, and it took both of us because between trying to line it up so that the plug and the port went together correctly and just getting the the cable itself to bend the way we wanted it was ridiculous so yeah the cold weather does make them a little challenging and you know if you happen to have some any kind of mobility or strength issues with your hands like if you have arthritis um you know or you know anything else like that then it becomes even harder you know to to you know, to handle that thing and, and get it on there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know, the C, the NACS, you know, with the thinner cable, smaller connector, it's easier to get a grip on. It's easier to insert. It's it's just going to be a lot easier for people to use. Um, future proofing, you know, the NACS is supposed to be able to handle up to a megawatt. Um, so that shouldn't be an issue. Um, you know, obviously existing vehicles with CCS, um, you know, they, they will eventually at some point have to use an adapter to charge from an NACS charger. Um, European standard uh, in Europe, they use CCS type two, which is a variant. We have CCS here in North America. We have CCS type one um, because it, the CCS, as I talked about before, they started with the J1772 connector, which is the round. If you look at the, the connector, it's the round part with five pins in it. Um, and that's just for AC charging. And basically what they did was they just added on two more big pins for DC charging. Um, and because here in the U S for AC, we use single phase AC, uh, systems. Um, you know, there's, there's only, there's five pins in that AC part of the connector, the CCS type two and the, the, the version of JC, J1772 that they use in Europe, that AC part of it is different it has two extra pins because in europe they use three phase electricity um and so you know you can get more power out of that um but it's it's basically pretty similar um and in europe you know the the european union mandated several years back that everybody had to use um ccs type 2 no exceptions and that includes tesla so in europe tesla doesn't have their own connector, their proprietary connector, NACS on there. They use CCS type two and superchargers in Europe have CCS type two connector on them. Um, same thing in China. China has their a different standard um, called GBT, 
Um, and Tesla uses that just like everybody else. Um, the only place where they use their proprietary connector has been in North America. Um, hmm. And it's really not that much of an issue because I don't know about you, but I don't usually drive from Europe to North America very often. Not not often. And, it's and a little I, tricky. And, and it's a tricky it, thing to drive. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. most, not very many people drive from North America to China. So, you know, cars, <laughs> <So> tricky. <laughs> vehicles tend to spend most of their life, you know, in one region. Right. And so as long as a, any given region is, you know, standardized, and that's hopefully what we'll have here now with NACS, then it's it's not, you know, it doesn't matter. Moving to NACS is just going to make it weirdly more like other countries, even though we're not having the same standard, we just have a standard. Yes, so to a have standard. a standard is nice as opposed to having willy nilly options for what your car <laughs> might be doing. It will definitely simplify things. Uh, why is this happening now? Is this all driven by Elon? Um, not entirely. I mean, you know, he obviously wanted others to use the superchargers because that means he makes more revenue from charging right. people to, for electricity. Um, but, uh, and you know, he made the, you know, his, the Tesla connector open source and rebranded it as NACS and said, everybody can use it. And, you know, I've confirmed with multiple automakers now that they are not having, they don't have to pay royalties to Tesla to use that connector. Uh, it is cool. in fact, truly open. Um, and you know, it's now being incorporated into the SAE standard. Um, so, um, you know, there is a benefit to Tesla in terms of uh, more revenue. Um, but really the real reason this is happening is because the other, you know, the other automakers have decided that they're fed up with the poor reliability of everybody else's chargers and they want their customers to have a better charging experience. Cause really at this point, like, you know, we've, we've had endless conversations about how the fact like, like Tesla or hate Tesla, their charging network is the most stable one out there. Like you can pretty much walk up to a Tesla charger or drive up to one and you're going to get exactly what you expect. You go up to other charging networks, they're in weird spaces, the connectors are broken, the charging rates are off or they don't break. Like those kinds of things, those super frustrating things kill the EV experience for people and can dissuade people from getting an EV altogether or push them towards Tesla. Well, if they're using the same thing as Tesla, now that particular problem is removed. Um, and that, I mean, that's just good for all the automakers in terms of like, well, you're, you can buy our car and use that same charger your Tesla does. That's a good thing for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, the, the big unknown or one of the many unknowns at this point, actually, is whether Tesla will remain as reliable as they have been. Because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the reliability problems we've had with other networks has actually been software issues. Because, you know, with, with a gas-powered car, you know, when you stick that nozzle from the gas pump into your car, the pump is not talking to your car. It doesn't care what <laughs> car it is. Is it, All it cares about is there's a nozzle there that, or there's a hole there that this nozzle fits into. And, you know, it's flowing gas until, until it hits the stopper, you know, until the, the neck fills up with gas and, you know, then it stops. Um, with an EV, the charger and the vehicle are constantly talking to each other, negotiating, okay, how much, power can I send you? How much, how much electricity can I send you? How fast can I send it? And, um, you know, so there's, there's this constant communication going on and, you know, when you've got a lot of automakers doing their own software on the vehicle side and a lot of charger makers doing their <laughs> software on the charger side, there are inevitable incompatibilities. So far, Tesla has not had to deal with that because they've controlled both sides, the car and the charger. 
and they do, you know, they have the same software and all their chargers, the same software and all their cars, and they talk to each other and it's easy. Once you have a whole bunch of other companies trying to use Tesla chargers, will that still be the case? Will they, will the software still be compatible? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, so it, it might get worse for Tesla or not. Hopefully it won't. Um, and then uh, question 5B is this push to change about using the Tesla charging infrastructure or just the physical connector itself? Both, you know, as we've kind of already explained. Mm-hmm. Um, given that the cables that the Tesla chargers are too short for anything other than a Tesla, what does this mean for these stations? Um, so this is, again, this is one of those unknowns. Um, you know, unless you happen to drive, um, let's see, I guess the, uh, you know, either something like a Hyundai or Kia or Genesis EV where the, the charge ports are on the rear corner um, or um, the, Mercedes you know, maybe a Rivian it's on the rear quarter. Is it on the rear corner on the Mercedes? Yeah, it's on the rear okay. corner on this one. Yeah. So some, on some vehicles that it, um, it won't be a problem. Others, it will be a problem um, going forward. Um, Tesla has started to roll out in a couple of locations in Europe, their version four charger. It's their next generation charger, which is higher power. Um, they don't have any in the U.S. yet, but they, you know, they'll probably start rolling those out eventually uh, here as well. Those apparently do have longer cables on them uh, because they've already been opening up the charging network in Europe to non-Tesla vehicles for over a year now, and so I would imagine that going forward, they, you know, as they replace the cables, they'll replace them with longer cables. So hopefully that won't be a problem. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a long multi-pronged question, perhaps isn't ideal for feedback. Um, well, too late for telling us that in just now. No, we should have read that first. Dang it. <laughs> I just really appreciate the history and engineering aspects that you talk about in a non-technical way. Uh, all right. Sid Polk uh, wrote actually a couple of weeks ago, um, and I didn't, didn't put it on here yet because I was trying to find out the answer. He said, when I was a kid, um, lightning struck a pole near our house and the surge destroyed our TV. Uh, when I was just out of college, lightning struck a pole and the surge to the phone line destroyed my roommate's modem and PC. Do I have to worry if my car is plugged in during a thunderstorm? Okay. I'd like so, to clarify first, nobody needs to live near or with Sid because apparently he's struck by lightning a lot. So just consider your roommates carefully, but go ahead, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, actually, one of my neighbors down the block, uh, a tree, um, two of my neighbors, because the tree was in between between their houses last summer got struck by lightning during a storm oh, goodness. and it was like, I don't know, like midnight, one o'clock in the morning and we were in bed and I heard this really loud. loud bit, I yeah. mean, I, I heard the thunderstorm, but then I heard a really loud bang and the, the tree had gotten struck and the whole top half of the tree was oh my basically gosh. destroyed by the lightning. Yeah, um, lightning's bad. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. Um, but um, for what it's worth, automakers have thought of that. They are, they are aware of the, uh, the issue. And um, I've confirmed uh, with, uh, with a couple of different automakers that they do have uh, surge protection built in to their oh, charging circuits. Okay. So if your if your EV is plugged in during a storm, uh, you know if if the charger gets struck or the cable or uh, the vehicle, um, generally if the vehicle gets struck by lightning, it's usually not a problem because right. your car has rubber tires on it and it's grounded. Um, so it's usually not a problem. It's, it's going to be more if your charger gets struck by, by lightning and, but they, they have 
they have thought about that and they've got a lot of surge protection built in to try to mitigate the impact of any kind of electrical surge through the charger or through the cable. Um, Obviously, you know, depending on how, you know, how much power there is from the lightning, from the lightning, it could still potentially damage the vehicle, but they've, they've, they've tried to mitigate that. I feel like that's the case. Even like, you know, if you have surge protectors on your things in your house, like you're, probably protecting them, but every now and then they, they don't, you know, depending on yeah, how the lightning hits. There's but, only so much power you can absorb. Right. So like, you're probably pretty safe, but you know, nothing's perfect. <laughs> and you know, what, you know, a, a vehicle or a charger can be replaced. You yes. can't be. So, Correct. you know, stay out of the storm stay inside. If it's, if there's a thunderstorm going on and you know, if you can stay away from your vehicle um, and hopefully everything will be okay. Uh, finally, Neil, uh, wrote in to say, interesting that you guys were accused of anti-Tesla bias, but considering that there are many manufacturers, each with many brand lines, each with many models and trim levels that change up every year. It seems to me that Tesla's few models with no advertised 20 XX change up mm-hmm. makes Tesla an infinitesimal fraction of available news items. So any significant airtime to the podcast would be out of proportion to their fraction of the total news universe. Uh, I bet if Tesla were to have new models and change things up every year, maybe it would be noticed more. Enjoy the show, Neil from Morrow. Uh, well, thank you for that, uh, Neil. Uh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Tesla doesn't Tesla doesn't do the usual model changeovers like other automakers do. Right. Um, they actually change up their their vehicles far more frequently than most people realize. But a lot of those changes are under the skin, and you don't see them. Um, yeah. Like. I was at uh, an event at uh, a company here in the Detroit area called CareSoft uh, about a month ago. They're they're a benchmarking company, so they do vehicle teardowns. Actually, they they tear down other stuff too. But you know, they're an engineering services company, and so you know, they will get vehicles either that they purchase or that companies, you know, their client companies bring to them and say, "We want you to do a teardown of this and analyze it and give us the results." And among the things that they showed us, you know, were they've done a bunch of teardowns on EVs, including they've done three teardowns over the last three years on Tesla Model Ys. Um, they had one from that was built in 2020, one that was built in 2022, and one that was built early this year. And from the outside, but you know, when you look at them, when they're all put together, they all look exactly the same. You cannot tell the difference between them. Right. There's no styling differences or anything. But when when they tore them down, it's remarkable how different they actually were under the skin. Mm-hmm. The the one from 2020, um, you know, you've probably heard about these these giga castings. Basically, they're large die castings that Tesla has started using in their structures. And um, the one from 2020, the the whole front structure was still made up of a bunch of steel stampings that were welded together in the t- typical way that most vehicles are built. But the rear end, they had two of these large aluminum castings and then a piece of aluminum in between that was welded in there. So for the rear structure, you know, and the the, the shock mounts where the, the shocks and the suspension and everything are hooked up, it was two large aluminum castings. For the one built in 2022, instead of two castings, there was one big casting that made up that entire rear structure that's under the sheet metal. And then there was another one uh, or no, sorry, those and the front was still the same as the 2020 version. 
the 2023 version had that rear single casting and then it had a, a giant a similar giant casting for the front structure yeah. to replace the front plus um the the body on on the 2020 and the 2022 models still had a, a floor pan in there you know after they took everything out there was you know sheet of steel mm -hmm. made up the floor pan and the the battery pack is bolted to underneath that the 2023 which was built with their new structural battery pack had a big hole where the floor should be there was there's no separate floor because what they do and there's a i'll i'll include a video in the show notes um when um uh, and associates also did a teardown of one of these and basically the battery pack now makes up the floor and the seats are actually bolted to the top of the battery pack so oh, when wow. you when you get when you put the car up on a hoist and then you lower the battery pack down the seats all the seats come down with it they're actually <laughs> attached to the the battery pack which is the floor of the car that's so freaky. there's yeah so there's a lot fewer pieces <laughs> in this thing um that go into you know so it, it's easier to assemble um but there are some downsides to this and I, this is one of the things i was talking to the magna guys today about i asked them about this because among other things that they do you know they make body panels and frames and all kinds of stuff and i talked to one of the the structure structural engineering guys and I asked them, asked him about, you know, these large die castings and, you know, whether other automakers are looking at it. He said, yeah, other automakers are looking at it. And what I heard from him and what I'd also heard from somebody else a couple of weeks ago um, on this topic was that one of the problems with these large castings is when you get into a crash, they, um, you know, with a, a traditional steel or aluminum structure, you know, that's made from a bunch of stampings that are welded together, mm -hmm. they they use, you know, they, they usually use multiple materials in there. It's not all the same material and different. Some of the parts are designed to deform in the event of a crash to absorb energy. Um, you know, cause what you, what you want, what you want to do is you want the, the vehicle body, the vehicle structure to absorb the energy of a crash. So it's not transmitted to the occupants in the vehicle. So there's less likelihood of the occupants being injured. Like the car looks squished, but you're fine. Yes. Yeah, you 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 look you you can walk away from a crash where the car may be you know severely damaged or destroyed, but you walk away from it with little or no injuries. Mm -hmm. With these castings, castings don't work in the same way, um, and they typically you know they don't deform the way these steel stampings or these metal stampings will. They will just fracture. They'll absorb the energy, but they fra they fracture, and basically what happens is you know in the event of a depending on the severity of the crash a lot of times with uh with a traditional structure it's repairable you know they can replace some of the parts right. you know and they can straighten stuff out and they can repair it with these castings they can't be repaired you basically have to rip the entire front of the vehicle off or the rear of the vehicle off and throw it away well it, it, you, i mean it, it gets recycled you know because you can right, nice right. thing about metals is you can melt them down again and reuse them <laughs> and use them again <laughs> yeah but um yeah so the the repair costs are substantially higher you know and a lot of times you know insurance companies will end up just totaling the car and so that you know if you've got a structure like that there's a much higher probability that in the event of a crash it's just going to be totaled instead of repaired yeah. Um, so just, just something to think about. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all we've got for this week. That's it. That's, that's all we it. got, Sam. Yeah. 
Do we do good. okay without Robbie? Do we should we say something goofy? <laughs> blah blah blah. I'm tall. Blah blah blah. Cars he's, are he's small. He's all gangly. So his arms are flopping around all over the place. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Okay, there. He doesn't. Do he long. doesn't fit into anything because he's so fit. tall. My band stuff doesn't fit. Okay, I think we got it covered. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Bye, Thanks, everyone. everybody. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.